0: This is Nullius in Verba, a podcast about science.
1: What it is and what it could be. It's co-hosted by me, Smriti Mehta from UC Berkeley.
0: And me, Daniel Larkins from Eindhoven University of Technology.
1: In today's episode, we discuss a double-edged sword, reverence to authority. Should scientists respect the giants on whose shoulders they stand? Or should they be wary of appeal to authority? How should scientists deal with other sources of authority in science, like the government or funding agencies? How can we differentiate expertise from authority? And are the APA formatting guidelines rules or mere suggestions? Enjoy. With regard to authority, it is the greatest weakness to attribute infinite credit to particular authors and to refuse his own prerogative to time, the author of all authors, and therefore of all authority. For truth is rightly named the daughter of time, not of authority. It is not wonderful, therefore, if the bonds of antiquity, authority, and unanimity have so enchained the power of man that he's unable, as if bewitched, to become familiar with things themselves.
0: Shmriti, I have a question. Uh, which side are you on in one of the most contentious issues, I think, in academic writing?
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So, when you write a sentence mm-hmm. and you end with a period, mm-hmm. after this period, do you put one or <laughs> two spaces?
1: You know, that's a great question. Where do the two spaces come from anyway? Was it like an <laughs> APA guidelines? Was it in the APA guidelines? someone? Because I have never used two spaces, but I know some people consistently yeah. use two spaces. So, I, it must have been in the APA, you know, formatting guidelines at some point. But yeah, I'm definitely a single space yeah. person. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I mean, it's interesting you bring up the APA guidelines. Uh-huh. I also don't know where it is from, uh-huh. but I can tell you what the APA tells us to do now in the 7th yeah. uh, edition. Now it's single
1: space. I know that for sure.
0: Exactly. Right. So the APA manual that we all have to follow, of course, mm-hmm. Um, They now force everybody to use one space Mm -hmm. after a period at the end of a sentence Mm -hmm. unless an instructor or publisher dictates otherwise. So this is interesting because this is, of course, uh, a big authority that we all have to just follow. They Mm -hmm. force us what to do. And Mm -hmm. this is uh, the APA telling us what to do, which um, is also our topic of today. We're going to talk about authority. Right, And it's interesting that even the APA says this is what you're supposed to do unless another authority tells you what to do, like your instructor or a publisher. So right, actually everything we do as scientists is just dictated by some kind of authority.
1: That is certainly true. Although here we should make a distinction between things that you are told on authority for a reason versus mm-hmm. things that Oh, because I said so. You know, when you're a kid, sometimes you ask like your parents, like, why do, why do I have to do this? And they're like, because I said so. Well, that's not a very good reason, right? Um, but if, if they had some particular reason back in the day, like, oh, you know, when we're printing things, it's easier for X, Y, and Z if things are, you know, there's double spaces between sentences. Okay, that's fair. Um, if there's a good reason for it. But I think sometimes if it's just a because I said so thing, Um, So maybe there's a distinction to draw between sort of things that have legitimate reasons behind them versus things that are not.
0: That's a good distinction, I think, to draw. Uh, You're completely right. Um, When we think about authority, it might be good to um, think a little bit about what it actually means, right? Because we had previous episodes on eminence. We had previous episodes on trust. Mm -hmm. I feel there are some correlations going on between these things. But authority is Mm -hmm. the power uh, or right To give orders, I'm looking up a definition, Uh, (laughs) make decisions, and enforce obedience. So it's actually really about, yeah, the power to do stuff, right? Having the authority, the power to make decisions, make other people do things. And of course, we might trust authority if they're telling us what to do for a good reason, exactly as you say, but actually we don't necessarily need to trust them. And then they can still tell us what to do. Yeah. Like the APA manual.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about it that way because I sometimes I think in my mind when we're talking about scientific authority, sometimes I guess in my mind it's almost conflated with expertise. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. what you'd say now sort of changes that a little bit because expertise has no authority over you, right? They cannot make you do things because somebody has expertise. But mm-hmm. if if there's people or institutions that have authority that they can enforce, that sounds so wrong, doesn't it? Enforce obedience. <sighs>
0: Um. <laughs> well yeah that's that's what authorities do though but yeah right. i mean i think you speak like a real scientist like it <laughs> sounds so wrong if they do it but uh, hmm. Mm-hmm. and then there's also this concept of eminence right and eminence right. i mean eminent people also have a lot of influence and and often they have a lot of power as well but maybe they can't really make us do things uh if mm-hmm. we don't want to but like an authority can but eminent people probably still have a lot of authority you know, they can still dictate things and make decisions about things. They're in places where you make decisions. So I feel it's a bit correlated. But yeah, yeah the authority is really, even if we don't want to believe it, they can make us do certain things or make decisions for us, I guess. And yeah. um, I was thinking many times throughout the podcast, we've actually joked that we want to be authority. Uh, author- <laughs> well, a- well, you have mentioned
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, <definitely, laughs> I have always known that I'm not the kind of person anybody should get, give any power to. Uh, it would be a bad idea yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) but still don't you feel that you kind of want it anyway a little bit of power you know sometimes we say no no no. no, not really you don't want to be the authority
1: (laughs) there are times when I I mean yeah of course there are times when you think that you can make better decisions just given how you function and work as a person in certain domains Mm -hmm. so I think in that sense yeah Um, but Yeah, power is just, I've never, never been the kind of person that has wanted any kind of power, yeah.
0: And you don't think it's good for science if you just become the authority. Um, Um, Authority sounds bad, actually. I I think uh, I was reading something by Kitcher, mm -hmm. a philosopher of science. He calls it a philosopher monarch (laughs) who's in charge of everything. That that sounds much better. So do you want to be a philosopher monarch? (laughs)
1: Um. I mean, but that actually does sound um, not that bad. Um,
0: <laughs> as long as, as long as guard. the
1: throne of the monarch is just an armchair, I can be the armchair philosopher monarch. It must
0: be for the philosopher monarch. Yeah. It must be a comfy <laughs> it has armchair, to be yeah. a comfy
1: armchair with a little <laughs> pipe uh, and some. Yeah, that sounds actually quite a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. I I think authority should be given to people who sort of understand and appreciate the responsibility with which it comes. So Mm -hmm. I think, so you're right. I do think in some sense you have to be wary of people who seek authority or power because, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. So I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, some things might be better, but I think only because, um, I, I don't want it and I am like it It just always like yes. if so even when somebody you know asked me for like I recently had gotten like re- reviews for papers and stuff and I'm just like oh my god like I you know mm-hmm. it, it feels like mm-hmm. a responsibility um to, to make sure you do mm-hmm. it well and stuff so
0: yeah. 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 yeah, and maybe not all the decision power yeah. is uh, in your hands as a reviewer, but right. you definitely have yeah. some authority or indirect authority. Yeah. And the editor, of course, but the editor, right. depending on the type of editor, sometimes editors really just say, yeah, this is what the reviewer said. So right. um, I'm rejecting it because both the reviewers didn't like it and the editor doesn't make any decision themselves. Right. They base it on the reviewer. So then you might actually have quite some authority now right. about a paper of someone else.
1: Yeah, which is a bit of a responsibility. And yeah, unless the editor themselves are going and reading the paper in depth, which mm-hmm. they probably aren't because they're giving you that job. That means that sometimes their opinion something Sometimes they, they do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Especially if I'm mm-hmm. sure they're getting reviews that are totally sort of, you know, very different, making very different conclusions that mm-hmm. they might have to go and dig in deeper. But then it's OK. Mm-hmm. Their their opinion of the paper will be, you know, filtered through your lens. So I think you have to be sort of careful mm-hmm. um, in Definitely. making sure you're yeah. doing a fair job. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, but you're getting slowly, but surely you're getting into position of authority anyway. Gosh, whether yeah. Whether you want it or I, not, yeah, it's whether... part of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that is part of it. Um, does that ever worry you? I mean, yeah, like, or w- when was the time during your career when you felt like you could feel yourself turning into a bit of an authority and how how did things like change for you sort of psychologically?
0: It's, it's very interesting because there's this time when you start to think, wait, people are actually taking what I say seriously. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No. In the beginning, I mean, that's just. I mean, they might listen, but there's really a difference when they really start to take things Uh a bit more seriously, Mm -hmm. and and that starts to happen. And you're like, oh dear, you know, what am I supposed to say now? Yeah. Uh, Because people might actually listen to what I say. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But I think it grows over time in the sense that you actually hopefully also feel that it it is accompanied by some expertise about right. things. Uh, some people might vehemently disagree at this moment that I have <sighs> expertise in anything, but I ex- at least feel that I have some expertise in mm-hmm. some things that I also say something about. Um, but of course, yeah, some people might also disagree uh, with the statements you make. So, uh, But mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing. Um, wh- one thing I noticed that started to happen at a certain moment where I really um, started to feel that people were using my authority, Hmm. is um, when people ask me for advice. Uh, So they have, for example, a paper on the review, uh, Hmm. and then one of the reviewers says something they don't like, Mm, also happens, they want to push back a little bit, and actually then they feel they have a good point to push back. So let's say it's about something methodological or statistical, and they ask Daniel, but, I mean, the reviewer says this and this, but surely, because of X, it logically follows that why, and that's what we did, so this must be correct. So when they ask this, then I say, yeah, you're completely right, this logically follows, yeah. that You can just write it up like this, this logically follows, it's a good argument. I mean, I can't see any uh, yeah, criticism on this, so mm-hmm. go, you're right. And then they say, can we say that you agreed with us? <laughs> yeah. And, and that is just authority, you know? Mm. They want to say, and and by the way, Daniel Lackens also agreed with us on this. <laughs> and they always have to they always have to explain, uh, no, no, that's not how it's supposed to work. This is just an argument. It should, right. you know. Stand on its own. Be enough. Right. Stand it stands on its own. Like you just made a logical point. Just send it in. Mm. I mean, don't say, oh, and by the way, it doesn't matter you know, that I agree or not. So, yeah, but that started to happen. And then you're like, okay, wait, they're just using my name for something. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And
1: I I mean, they are sort of trying to bypass this human tendency to use heuristics, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we all, I mean, even if you think about people who put a lot of emphasis on things like where things are published or big name You know, researchers, I mean, that is a heuristic, Mm -hmm. right? You think that you're getting Mm -hmm. better publications because or you think you're getting, yeah, better work. If you have people who are famous from institutions that are famous in publications that are famous, because otherwise Mm -hmm. you have Mm -hmm. to actually read the argument and think for yourself, oh, does it make sense? Right. And that's more work than saying, oh, well, Daniel thinks this makes sense. So, okay, must make sense.
0: Yeah. But isn't that interesting that people actually use it, whereas I think most of us respond exactly like you responded in the beginning about authority. Like, no, it's a bad thing. It's not supposed (laughs) to be part of science, you know? Um, I actually saw, for example, um, but we do it all the time. I saw an edited book recently, Mm -hmm. Um, so a book with a lot of chapters by different Mm -hmm, people. mm -hmm. And and in the introduction, um, the editors of the book wrote, chapters are written by the leading authorities in the field. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That sounds sounds kind of okay, I guess. But what are we doing? Yeah. You know?
1: Would, well, this is I'm, kind of normal, I feel. This is pretty normal. Would you... What if they use the word experts? Would Would you still have the same reaction yeah. or does it feel different?
0: Yeah. No, it sounds better already. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it also better than um, eminent, you know? Eminent yeah. researchers in the field.
1: Eminence... I've, I've never understood eminence. I remember once reading a paper that made the argument that what well, we should be trying to aim for when we are working on like gifted programs. I don't know if you, I don't know if this concept exists. It mm-hmm. might in the Netherlands as well, where you have student, you know, like you have special education and then you're, you know, regular people and then you have gifted programs that are sort of accelerated for students who are doing really well. And they they call them gifted programs. And the paper was saying that we what we should be trying to do is get these students to on the path to eminence. And that just seemed mm. like such a wild idea <laughs> to me, because I'm like, What what? No. If you want mm. eminence, you go become a TikToker or something. It sounds like you're trying to become an influencer. Um, yeah. that is not that yeah. does not sound but right. Then, but it's I mean an it,
0: academic influencer. That's a, that's exactly I mean, what it is. There's yeah. a
1: lot of them. <laughs> um and it does seem to be and this is, I mean, of course, where things get so tricky, right? Because it's if you're doing good work, then that is sort of a becomes a byproduct, right? Like, how do you measure if your work is having influence or is actually good work? It does mean that oh, people are talking about it, you are getting known in your discipline as an expert, and that does. But to me, it's always been yeah. like, well, but that's just a byproduct and not even like a great by, you know, can, it can also like have negative consequences. But at least that's not what we should be aiming for in, in any kind, mm-hmm. you know, in any event. You
0: know. I think historically scientists were upset about authority, uh, not just within their own community, but actually, especially, of course, beyond the community so that there would be authority from outside of Mm. science Mm -hmm. that would influence what we're doing um and i think the probably best known case uh for this is uh, galileo and Mm. uh, the roman church Mm -hmm. right yeah Uh, that's really an attempt where an authority tried to say nope No, we don't like it. Uh, This is what you think, you scientists, but it can't be like this. So we're going to make you um, basically, uh, you know, going to try to change people's beliefs just based on our authority, not based on science. Um, There's a nice um, quote by um, Galileo about this, um, who who was, by the way, he was teaching in Padova for a while. Uh, I visited Padova, was Hmm. there uh, on a sabbatical. And they still have a nice little stage that he used to uh, give his lectures from. This wow. is uh, a stage from somewhere 1600, uh, early mm-hmm. 1600 somewhere. Um, but um, Galileo wrote a little bit later, in questions of science, the authority of a thousand is not worth the humble reasoning of a single individual.
1: Very nice.
0: Nice, right? Yeah. 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 So this is really the, and it feels so nice and scientific, but I'll, I'll try to make a point a little bit later because yeah. I think this is like the ideal or something, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's another quote that I want to mention. Uh, there's this um, so related to this topic of authority from the outside. There's this interesting mm-hmm. paper by Philip Frank from 1956 called The Role of Authority in the Interpretation of Science. He also mentions mm-hmm. Galileo, but also other people like Einstein and how his theory of relativity was not accepted, for example, you know, back in the Soviet mm-hmm. Union. And he he makes this interesting point where he says that, but it's not... It's not the content of their work that people are challenging, but the interpretation Mm -hmm. of it that they they were like, they were, he was like, they were still teaching it in schools, but they just didn't like what it meant philosophically. Um, Mm -hmm. So at the end of this, it's a very short paper, but he says, Mm -hmm. summing up, we have to say that every condition of indecision in the general principles of science will bring about interference of authorities. They regard it as their duty to support the teaching and advances of such doctrines as have a healthy influence on morals and religion. The search for technical results is to a high degree free. But the philosophical interpretation of scientific theories have always been under the strong influence or even pressure of authorities, quote unquote. Hmm. Um, So he's he's sort of making this very interesting point. He's saying that, yeah, it's not so much like the content of what you do or, you know, your theories, that's free. Like they will not challenge you on that. But sometimes Hmm. authorities might come in if they think Hmm. that what you're doing will result in... Moral, yeah, um, downfalls are like, you you know, teaching people your masses the wrong things and there they will sort of interfere in it. So I thought that was kind of an interesting point to where, you know, religious and yeah, political authorities might interfere with how science is interpreted and taught. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they now leave the facts to ourselves. They don't really try the Galileo (laughs) route anymore, where they just, you know, try to put you in jail and try to hide the facts, but they try to influence how the facts are interpreted in a way. Yeah,
1: because it's like a heliocentric view of the world, right? It changes the the man's place in in the universe, and that has a lot of, you know, deep philosophical and moral consequences. So
0: yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Nice. Um, You you mentioned Einstein and his theory. Um, I have an anecdote about Einstein being very Mm anti-authoritarian or actually um, allowing it, actually someone else. So this is from a book by Barber. It's called The Science and the Social Order from Mm -hmm. 1953. Mm -hmm. And they gave a nice anecdote. might be a bit long, but I think it's um, it's interesting to read the beginning. So um, it says, um, a striking case of the internal... So this is not outside of the Mm -hmm. scientific system, like you just mentioned, but internal. A striking case of the internal anti-authoritarianism of science has been described by the mathematician Leopold Infeld. Infeld was invited by Einstein to collaborate and he did so for three years at the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton. During this time, Einstein was interested in building a bridge between the gravitational and quantum theories and Infeld soon felt skeptical that this could be done. Hmm. It seems Presumptuous, he says, that I would dare to differ with Einstein on any subject. But I know that there is nothing so dangerous in science as blind acceptance of authorities and dogmas. My own mind must remain for me the highest authority. Hmm. And um, Einstein was very patient. Uh, I think in the end he was sort of right, I guess. But uh, Einstein was very Wait, patient. Who, and also who was right?
1: Einstein was right or...?
0: Yeah, I think Einstein was right in the end, Uh, but he was very patient and also very understanding of Mm. the fact that this other person wouldn't accept his authority, you know, Uh, so a a really sort of good, yeah, let's say ideal scientific interaction. Um, Yeah,
1: I think where things go wrong is sometimes is that you don't have a lot of people who would be that open minded to, to the questioning of somebody that's newer in the field. Right, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's mm-hmm. where maybe some mm-hmm. issues of like ego come into play. Where I think, right, if you're somebody that's just up and coming, um, and you're trying mm-hmm. to challenge mm-hmm. somebody who's really well established in the field, I'm not sure if they would have the same kind of um, yeah, respect yeah. for the scientific process um, and understanding yeah. that you 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 want people around who will not take your word on authority and actually question what you're saying, um, so you can mm-hmm. keep your your reasoning sharp. Um, but you don't see. Yeah. In your experience, do you think on average, scientists are like that?
0: That they keep an open mind and they don't. Mm -hmm. um, Like young people get the same treatment, let's say, or unknown uh, Mm -hmm. people or people who are not authorities, then authorities. Right. Well. Um, I I will do you better than my uh, experience Uh, so Uh I have another uh, (laughs) Another quote quote? about this Uh this is also by Barber the same Barber uh, Uh wrote about this now it's 1961 it's called Resistance by Scientists to Scientific Discovery published in Science um, in in 1961 Mm -hmm. and he describes a case where this happens what you describe but I think nice because it's almost like a natural experiment a tiny natural experiment so it's um, an anecdote by um, Lord Rayley, uh, who's a f- well-known scientist um, in, in Britain in this time. He was already very famous. Um, and uh, they describe Rayleigh submitted a paper under the title An Experiment to Show That a Divided Electric Current May Be Greater in Both Branches Than in the Mains. Okay, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. Yeah. His name, uh, says his son and biographer, was either omitted or accidentally detached. Hmm. And the committee turned it down hmm. as the work of one of those curious persons called paradoxers. Because hmm. it was kind of a controversial paper.
1: And they're like, yeah,
0: this is just some some sort of weirdo, whatever, we ignore it. However, when the authorship was discovered, the paper was found to have merits after all. It would seem <laughs> that even in the late 19th century, and in spite of all that had been written by the apostles of free discussion, authority could prevail when argument had failed. Hmm. So he makes the point. People don't yeah. take him seriously. Um, but then if his name becomes known, then they take him much more seriously and this is maybe an interesting thing to think about because um, we have the idealistic case, the, the interaction with Einstein and Galileo and like authority has no place mm-hmm. in science, but then we, we have this stuff. And, right. and I think this happens all the time. So um, this specifically I think is a case where the authority of a person determines how seriously we take them. Even if they say, or maybe especially if they say something a little bit crazy. And I think if an authority says something that's a little bit crazy, we don't ignore them. Let's take an example from our own field, right? Mm -hmm. So we we had Daryl Bem publish about precognition. And he had a very successful career before Mm -hmm. about completely unrelated things, right? So he became an authority Mm -hmm. on, I think, self-perception. Something like this, self-perception theory. I mean, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, self-perception and, theory. Good. <laughs> yeah. And then he writes about precognition. And I think, what if, what if just a nobody, complete nobody, no authority in anything, mm-hmm. would have published that paper? Would have been treated the same? I find that almost difficult to believe.
1: I mean, it wouldn't have gotten published. That's you know, for one.
0: You don't think so? Yeah. You think it would just be desk rejected? Like, oh, you're, absolutely. You're a weirdo.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hmm. Um, but yep. this does raise an interesting point of... I mean, so imagine, right? Imagine there's a complete nobody who's putting forth some idea that seems on the face of it crazy versus somebody mm-hmm. who's a known expert in the field who puts out the same idea. I mean, there are certain assumptions that are going into how we're evaluating those claims for either of those two people, right? This, In mm-hmm. the second case, yep. we assume... Right? Maybe maybe incorrectly, maybe correctly, who knows? We assume that this person has given it some thought. They have you know, done more work in this field. They must have some reasons that we don't understand for making this claim, right? So I think you mm-hmm. take it seriously ju- by the virtue of the fact that you think that they have probably put in more thought and effort into it than somebody who you have never heard of before, right? So in, in that sense, I mean, it's not completely crazy to to sort of give a little mm-hmm. bit more weight to the expert, right? It's like sometimes yeah. I joke about it, right? Like if I I mean it doesn't matter who it is if I'm talking to a Nobel laureate and they we start talking about mm-hmm. climate change, even if their research has nothing to do with climate change, <laughs> versus if I'm talking to a bus driver about climate change, right? and maybe it's wrong maybe yeah. i'm maybe i'm incorrect here but i i will take whatever <laughs> might come from it about a little bit more seriously because they're scientists and i trust that they are yeah. maybe doing a little bit more thinking about the claims that they're making and looking at the evidence a little bit more than the bus driver is i mean maybe maybe that's a yeah you know a shortcoming on my part but you know what i mean
0: well the question is also what else are you supposed to do you know because if we can't, yeah, if we can't use these shortcuts, I mean, of course, the alternative is clear. It is nullius in verba. It's right. take nobody's yeah. work for it. You yeah. figure everything out by yourself. You don't right. say, "Oh, interesting." Yeah, I guess I guess you probably have a point. You're like, no. Can you oh, point me to the right. f- fifty papers that I need to read to understand right. this, and, and then the, I'll read them.
1: And this is not even about believing it, right? I'm not saying I'll believe anything that either the bus driver says or the Nobel laureate mm-hmm. says. This is about mm-hmm. how seriously mm-hmm. am I going to take what either of them are saying. Um, I might not believe any of it, but I will give a little bit more weight um, in the the latter case, which, yeah, I mean, there's no way to get around it, right? I
0: I think this is a nice point. And I think this is it. So I mean, there's almost no way around it. What are you supposed to do? I mean, so on the one hand, we have this ideal case, authority plays no role in science. But on the other hand, it It just does. It It just does. And in a couple of ways, and one of the ways in which you describe, if an authority tells us something that changes the weight you give, Mm -hmm. basically to how seriously this point uh, should be taken, compared to if... uh, yeah, no one at all says this. And and this happens in science all the time. So whether you think it's supposed to be like this or not, whether you think it's a shortcoming that you have, you are not the only one who has this. Like there are a lot of examples of people making discoveries that are just ignored for a while because, yeah, they were completely unknown to everybody. And even, you know, there are examples, of, I think, of Ohm. Um, the mm, yeah, mm-hmm. the researcher. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, a physicist, uh, and uh, he sends his work to famous. Uh, other um, physicist but mm-hmm. he's not known at all yet mm-hmm. I mean now we know his name but I mean then he was completely unknown and then by the time this other famous physicist dies mm-hmm. they find this note basically unread this paper like because that also happens you get a you get a paper from a complete stranger mm-hmm. you're like yeah I might read it I might not read it but if it would be a, an authority in the field you read it you know we'll it. so yeah. those kind of differences just exist um, whether you like it or not, but they exist and and in the long run, of course they're you know they're a heuristic for a reason they right. they often they often have some benefit, but they will also mislead, and those cases are of course problematic,
1: yeah, like like in Daryl Bem's case, right definitely, definitely misleading but it but, but it also goes back to the episode that we did on trust in science, where it's even mm-hmm. in the regular work that we're doing, right there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that we're taking on other people's authority, right, scientific? I mean, mm-hmm. we we have not looked at every theorem that proves why, you know, a regression, the OLS no. regression works. Like, not everybody does that who uses it. So you do have to take things like that on other people's authority and then just go with it because you don't have the expertise to check those things for yourself, right? So even in the creation yeah. of new knowledge um, or new facts, you do have to rely on a lot of other people's authorities. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and I think it's really not not even just trust, but sometimes it's really just authority. So, right. um, the the first point you mentioned that we just weigh statements of people, you know, uh, authority figures that that is one of the points again that Kitcher mentions. Mm-hmm. So um, he mentioned this in a chapter, uh, the social dimensions of science, you know, that's again, I mean, a lot of the things we talk about again and again are this mm-hmm. sort of social epistemology. So the social aspects of the scientific process, and this is one of them. And this um, is a chapter, it's called Authority, Deference, and the Role of Individual Reason. Mm-hmm. But he discusses a couple of roles that authority plays. Uh, so one is this that you mentioned before, Mm-hmm. um if if an authority writes about something we take them a little bit seriously yeah uh, but the other is indeed yeah if you don't know anything you have to just trust authority you have to yeah. and i think this is especially true if you just enter the scientific field and authority figures and these are really authority figures these are just like right. your supervisor your boss or whatever mm-hmm. it is you know i mean and they just tell you stuff they tell you like this is how we do it right and you're like, okay, 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 yeah. I guess so. You know, um, yeah. It's not, not even whether you trust them or not. It's just they say this is what we do and then that's what you do.
1: Right. You know, it's funny to me as I'm realizing that even saying things like, hey, don't trust authorities, it's also a thing that's coming from some authority, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can't escape <laughs> it. You can't escape it. I was yeah. actually yeah. wondering, so um, because you recently completed uh, a research project uh, right. relatively large or or still ongoing i guess you so have to write sort of it ongoing, up but i mean right, you, right. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly but you worked on um, replications of studies mm-hmm. and um yeah you basically Uh, well, I don't want to say you were the authority figure in the whole project, but you were, you know, you were in charge. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, however you want to call it, this is what it is. Uh, You were, I mean, in a fancy word, we say PI, Principal Investigator or something. You know, we use those terms. But anyway, you were responsible. That may be more to your liking. We say responsible. Yeah, yeah. But I wondered, reflecting on uh, the project as far as it has come along now, Mm Um, because there's just stuff that has to be done mm-hmm. right, in a project like this, in a large project. So, how often did you feel like, okay, uh, we're making, yeah, democratic decisions and everything. Everybody has their input. And mm-hmm. how often did you feel like, okay, I'm telling them what to do now. You do, you do this. This is how it's done now.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Um... Yeah. I mean, in the beginning of the project, it was a bit more, well, the idea generation was a bit more democratic. Um, It was quite democratic Mm -hmm. in in what we picked to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think with a project like that... Like all the little decisions that had to be made about how things are done, what people have to do at mm-hmm. what time, and how it needed to be sort of structured, yeah, I I did a lot of that sort of top down. And there's no way, you know, when there's like twenty people that you have to work with, it would become a little unruly to try to. And decisions have to be made pretty pretty quickly, yeah. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, the 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 basic idea about what we were doing um was very democratic, which I think was good. And then all the little mm-hmm. mechanical uh, parts of it was um. Me telling people what to mm-hmm. do which i really don't like do, <laughs> doing there were a lot but of times where just... i was just like okay I, i'm not even gonna tell i'll just do it yeah i'll just do it myself yeah, yeah.
0: but was it really just the mechanical parts or also sometimes maybe scientific decisions like we'll do it like this or we'll do it like this or stuff like this
1: yeah even even yeah scientific decisions about yeah mm-hmm. you know how to Select the studies that mm-hmm. would go in this pool, from which we will randomly select um, mm-hmm. studies to run and stuff like that. I mean, it was still a small team of us, you know. Of course, the the actual PIs, and then I was sort of managing the actual applications. Mm-hmm. It was um, we still discussed mm-hmm. things, but but mm-hmm. people who were actually doing the work were mostly yeah told what to do.
0: And you were just sitting in your comfy chair as philosopher (laughs) monarch, (laughs) telling other people with your authority, do it like this. This is how it will be done. Well, I'm sure you've,
1: (laughs) I'm sure you've experienced as as a teacher as well, right? I mean, you have to tell people, even when you have to tell Mm -hmm. people what to do, if you want people to do good work, you have to structure it really well for them, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. if you if you're not clear about what you need done and how exactly to do it, then then you will not get good quality work, right? Like even the process of telling people how to do things in a way that's sort of standardized and you get consistent um, work, it ha- a lot of work goes into that, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and also decisions have to be made. Right. And then it's better if I make them.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: yeah. no, I think your time, what you mentioned, the time issue, so we can right. make um democratic yeah. decisions we can replace everything by democratic decision and we yeah. we could even say no we don't trust any authority we don't take any authority's word for it but we figure everything out but just the process it's too long it takes too long and we don't have the time to do it so right. i think that's what it, what it boils down to sometimes yeah
1: yeah you're right although i mean so but would you say that it's an efficient use of time even if we could do structure it such a in such a way that every decision is made democratically mm-hmm. what about in cases where it's not a matter of scientific integrity or like whether things are better scientifically but it's just a matter of like should we have one space or two spaces right it's just a matter of like mm-hmm. preference mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. style where it doesn't actually have any bearing on the and mm-hmm. the actual work like wouldn't it be very inefficient to try to even try to democratize yeah those decisions, yeah. right?
0: No, I think for those, people don't really worry about anybody having authority about those kind of decisions. I think well, it's really might. the decisions. Well, you've not. <laughs> well yeah.
1: The, the people writing the APA manual probably disagree with that, yeah.
0: No, and I think really, I mean, I said it's the most contentious issues. It isn't. But right. people who are just used to this two-space rule, right. you know, if, if, the, upset, if the APA yeah. manual... Yeah, but if the API manual really forces them to change their behavior, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and you've been you've been doing this for thirty years, mm-hmm. I think it will take five years of you know having to delete that one space you're like damn apa manual uh, damn you <laughs> And so, sorry yeah, this yeah. is like
1: not really like this is not important at all but do people just press two spaces when they're writing is that how <laughs> yeah, just how yeah. they write oh
0: <laughs> yeah that's just how huh. it, you can go back in and you can delete all of them you know one one of those spaces you can delete it yeah yeah no it's just a habit it's just and, a uh, habit of I mean, like
1: two spaces huh
0: yeah yeah yeah. but yeah. I think um I think the point is that there are these um, uh, organizations mm-hmm. that make decisions sometimes. I mean, we've talked about people, but yeah, again, to go back maybe to the organizations, I think there are quite some organizations in our field that mm-hmm. have power or authority over us. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you can decide, well, um, I will just not submit to any journal. That adheres to these kind of guidelines, but that's yeah. really not practically speaking an issue, an, an, a possibility. Mm-mm. So these journals have authority over us, and and if it's about something silly like one or two spaces after the period, yeah. I think we all agree it doesn't really matter. But right. they can make all sorts of decisions, right? right? A journal could require, or the you know the APA and the APS, which are our professional organizations in psychology, mm-hmm. they could require that everybody has to. Upload their data
1: mm-hmm.
0: whenever this is possible, you know, ethically possible. Everybody right. from now on has to upload their data. They could yeah. do it. They could they make could. us do it. Yeah. Might and might not even be bad if they make us do it, <laughs> but
1: yeah. Well, some people might also disagree with that. Exactly. Um, But and here, again, I think is important to think, right? Like I think in the absence of having either the time or... You know, it's just not feasible to have everybody make a decision democratically. I think there it would be more important to make sure that you're providing legitimate reasons for why you are asking people to do the things you're asking them to do, right? It shouldn't mm-hmm. be just a because then you're just abusing power, right? If you're getting people to do things just because you like it and it's just suits your style or because I said so, I think that's um, that's unfair, and then people can, eval- mm-hmm. like at least then people know why you're making them do something and they can evaluate and maybe try to challenge it if they don't think it's mm-hmm. fair. Um, but I think they're being yeah. transparent about the reasons for, for what, yeah. what people are being asked to do becomes very important.
0: And I also have the feeling that there's a bit of a difference between exerting authority about procedures um, that we have to adhere to. Because actually in science, we all adhere to certain procedures. We all adhere to, mm-hmm. I would say, the authority of the scientific system. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's a bit dynamic. It updates over time. But we all uh, give authority to peer reviewers, just like, you know, you mentioned. I mean, yeah. we, we accept that, you know, we're part of a system where we give away or we follow some authorities. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the procedure of knowledge generation, but then I think we also want complete freedom to question right. any... ID and belief and to criticize any belief and mm-hmm. right, so the content yeah. we, we want no authority to tell us what to, what to <laughs> believe or do or think, yeah. but the process, I guess, we allow some authorities to shape this process a little bit.
1: Right, otherwise it would just be anarchy, right
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we, we do need to have uh, some sort of system, you know, right. and I think, um, yeah, otherwise, it, I I think, indeed, without scientific organizations, and they're very old, again, I mean, our nullis in verba comes from the Royal mm-hmm. Society, yeah. I mean, they're very old, yeah, and the fact that they have emerged basically tells us something about, yeah, we need some sort of yeah people to organize our journals and yes then we give them the authority to make decisions about how this process is shaped and maybe we build in some democratic pathways you know some voting somewhere you know Mm -hmm. not for everything but people can share their opinion about something
1: right yeah and this is i think where it like i i struggle with it because you i mean you hear often people now talking and I think rightly so criticizing things like impact factors or why do we give these kind of journals so much, you know, power and so much weight? And I'm like, yeah, that's true. It's sort of not right. But then at the same time, like you're saying, right, if if you have people who are who don't know anything about that discipline, but they still have to make decisions, right? You might have countries (laughs) that need to make certain decisions about, you know, what to put in their water for right? Like what XYZ, they do have to depend on the scientific authority of experts, and how would they know unless we do have mm-hmm. some some journals that we consider prestigious or some, you know, institutions that where we consider where rigorous work happens? Like if we don't have those, of course they should be valid, um, which is the tricky mm-hmm. part. But if we don't have them, then everybody else is just left with um, because not everybody is in a position to be able to evaluate everything on on its own merit, right? So that that takes yeah. years and years of work and expertise in your in your own right to be able to do that
0: yeah 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 and this this fact that we give this authority away although I think it's it's interesting because I feel it's gotten really completely out of our hands when you say you know we use journals for mm-hmm. promotion criteria and stuff it, yeah. l- it really feels like the system sort of ran away from us in a way yeah, like we've probably. given this authority away and we're really like it's gone like we yeah. feel wait wait it's doing things now on its own that we didn't want it um mm-hmm. but the fact that there is this system i guess is um um, is necessary. And there's a nice paper by um, Polanyi. It's mm-hmm. called The Republic of Science. And, and it's an interesting paper because it highlights these two sides of the authority mm. uh, debate. So on the one hand, he says, yeah, about when it comes about content, you have complete freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we should trust scientists to do their own thing, make their own decisions. But he also writes um, uh, about the authority that's sort of given to organization of a system. Mm -hmm. He he writes, the more widely the republic of science extends over the globe, the more numerous become its members in each country and the greater the material resources at its command, the more clearly emerges the need for a strong and effective scientific authority to reign over this Mm. republic. When we reject today the interference of political or religious authorities with the pursuit of science we must do this in the name of the established scientific authority which safeguards the pursuit of science hmm. so the idea is that we've given away authority to mm. this yeah system that organizes it yeah. but this system is then supposed to safeguard hmm. The pursuit of knowledge without interference of these, yeah, other external like the church right. or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I find that that's sort of interesting, yeah. But then, yeah, sometimes this system does seem to run away a little bit uh, from us in how it's controlling us, yeah. Also in ways we don't really like,
1: right? Especially when you think about how, I mean, a lot of these publishing companies, some of them are not even mm-hmm. sort of associated with societies right academic societies and it, they're just i mean mm-hmm. they're just profit. they're just raking in so much profits and it's just probably turned into i mean there's something i read recently about how i mean nature has now like some sixty-seven, sixty-nine nature something nature this and nature that right yeah yeah i mean it's just yeah, one yeah. after the other right it's just turned into mm-hmm. a business yeah. which and, yeah and right like it's just profit is their end goal right versus truth yeah
0: you're completely right. And they once went to the stock market or something, mm-hmm. you know, when they when they start to sell, sell shares. And yeah. I don't know if they eventually did it or not, but I know that they wrote a proposal sort of for this, that they could go to the stock market. And then they have to make a sort of business case, like why would you buy their shares, mm-hmm. I guess. And one of the things they literally wrote, wrote, and this is a decade ago, yeah. I think, yeah. they said, look, we are in a very good position To create new journals and our brand name by putting our brand name in front of it, the scientists will want to publish (laughs) in our journals. So we can just create more money because we create more journals. We put nature in front of it and they will come.
1: I mean they were right. right.
0: <laughs> they are right. But it's so depressing to yeah. see them spell it out. You know?
1: Right. So explicitly. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Wow. That's depressing. Yeah. But it's true, right? Yeah. And it's happening. And that's what I think yeah. I, I think that whole sort of publishing so it's it's so it's so corrupted, I think. And it needs to be in the hands of, you know, actual academics versus <sighs> you- yeah it needs What's to be in the hands it? of well, you well maybe maybe not me but you know
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah but i guess i mean so yeah this is not in in uh, control of scientists currently yeah. that's true but some but but the other interesting thing is so you said yeah you know some journals are not even in the hands of scientific journals uh scientific, scientific societies, societies. societies. Right, right. but some are some
1: are that's true yeah you're right
0: and and there they also make a good profit, mm. and then they still use this money for the society, for example. And they mm-hmm. say, "Yeah, but we do good things with it." Mm-hmm. But you're like, "Yeah, but wait, who we gave you the authority?" We throw big parties at
1: the national conference. Yeah. <laughs> But who For
0: example, but then they will say no, but we also give education to people who can otherwise not have access to whatever, you know, they give away something mm-hmm. to people in needs, academic yeah. need. Okay, mm-hmm. no, I'm sure they also do good stuff. That's not mm-hmm. the question. But the question is maybe who gave you the authority to take this money and decide how to spend it, you know, because you're getting the money from the publication system. Who, who gave you the authority? I mean, yeah. Anyway, I guess sometimes again they might be democratic, but I, I doubt sort of that they will vote in somebody who would say, Okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna end all these journals and the business models behind <sighs> these journals. And and then we don't make any money anymore. That's true, all yeah. our money's gone, but oh well, so be it. I think it's for the for the best for science. I don't think that's somehow I don't feel it's gonna happen.
1: No, no, that's definitely yeah. not gonna happen. But it's not I mean, in that sense it's not that different from politics, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Like, how do we? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, but maybe it's better than politics in that respect. Right. Like, who gives the authority to people who are in Congress, for example, to make the decisions they make or, you know, these committees that decide where the funding will will be channeled toward. um, Right. They're just people who've been elected and it's mostly just a popularity contest.
0: Mm -hmm. Maybe it is a little bit similar
1: to academia. I don't know. uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you start to think about it, you're like, uh, I don't know. Maybe not that different.
1: Maybe not that different. Um, But that's, I mean, that's one thing I always, like, I remember speaking to a friend of mine who is like in, you know, teaches in schools and stuff. And it's, I think, Mm -hmm. such a sad reality that the people who end up in positions of authority are people who seek those positions of authority. And I think that's sort of a select, you know, that's a selected sample, right? There's only a certain kind mm-hmm. of person to whom that that kind of, um, yeah, power and influence appeals to. And then you have to do things that are aligned, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to rub the right shoulders and do the right, you know, say the right thing. So it's sort of a, a weird system in which the people who, you know, might be less um, capable of, you know, exerting authority in sort of a fair manner might end up at the top because sort of getting there requires you to do things that I think other people with them might, might, might just not be inclined to to participate in. So mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like you have school, school yeah. administrators and stuff like that, right? People who actually care about teaching don't end up as school administrators because they care about what's happening yeah. in the classroom. And I think that might also be yeah. true for scientists, right? They care about what's, what's happening in their lab, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you're right. The people who don't want to be in power, who don't want to have authority are often maybe the better choices yeah. to actually have. So right. so in the end, I, I really see this just as a very long explanation of why you should become (laughs) the philosopher monarch and yeah you just have to do it you just explain to me why you even though you don't want it should be doing this i always
1: think about every time we have conversations like this i think about you know the end of game of thrones (laughs) <laughs> Where, have you seen Game I, I, I of Thrones? didn't watch
0: it to the end No <laughs> what happens? Wa- okay. you, can give a, you can give a spoiler It's fine. Yes
1: I guess spoiler alert to whoever <laughs> who might know. I, I actually just like binge watched it when Right when it was ending Because I had nothing mm. better to do at the time But it's like the kid Who's um, God I can't even remember his name But he's the youngest <laughs> kid of the Starks And he doesn't want mm. to be the king But I think he's the only one who probably doesn't want it So they give it to him um, okay. they make him the king, and yeah. so I, 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 always think of that. Yeah, the the person who might just be the best, um, yeah, mm-hmm. qualified mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. do it is the one who just really does not want it. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, I say, shmity uh, for APA president. <laughs> APA president. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Nilius in Verba. Our theme song is Newton's Cradle by Grand Brothers. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or comments you'd like to share, you can reach us over email at nulliusandverbapod at gmail.com or our social media accounts at Mastodon or Twitter. In this episode, we discussed the role of authority in science, the authority of scientific institutions, of individual scientists in positions of power, and of scientific experts in the domains of their expertise. In the next episode, we will discuss a topic that one of us is an expert authority on, pre-registration. We hope you will join us.